You're listening to The Gay Pro, where we empower gay business professionals from any industry to love who they are and love what they do. I'm your host, Omar Alexis Ochoa. Let's get into it. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Sean the Star Emperor. He is a singer-songwriter, entertainer, and space overlord who may or may not possess supernatural powers. Sean's music is influenced by the glam of the 80s and the tune of artists like Enya, Michael Jackson, and Fleetwood Mac. He is an anomaly in the music industry that transcends the fabric of space and time. Sean is the embodiment of what happens when you take the status quo and do the complete opposite. He is known for making a big song and dance while also destroying the tenets of heteronormativity. Sean is performing this week on February 27th, 2020 at Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood, California. Make sure to check him out and buy tickets on Eventbrite. Thank you, Sean, for joining me. Hey, how's it going? Good. So I know that your music is really inspired by people like Lana Del Rey and uh, influences, as you've quoted it in your Facebook, uh, all stars that shine. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you get started in music? Well, I've always loved entertainment. Since I was a kid, I just idolized it, especially growing up in the later 80s and in the 90s as well. You know, stars were larger than life, and you just really wanted to be a part of that. Uh, I remember in the day before, you know, internet and, like, star accessibility, you know, I feel like we lose some of the mystique and the magic around being a celebrity in in this day and age because they're just so accessible, and you can see into their private lives in Mm -hmm. a way that just makes them so human. But when I was younger... um, it was the exact opposite. Everyone was really, really like mysterious. And not only were they mysterious, but they also had this like fan following where people were like tearing off their shirts, pulling their hair out to be in the presence of Michael Jackson or Prince or Duran Duran. And so seeing that just really did something to me and in, in my psyche as a kid. And I really wanted to be a part of that kind of like mystique or air, you know? Right. So that's that the allure of that plus my love because again it's not just about the fame right mm-hmm. um, it's really for me it's true I can I don't even care about all that kind of stuff it's a great perk but I really don't care about all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as long as I can do my art regularly yeah. regularly and daily I'll, I'll be really excited and happy about it and I've always been really musically inclined and I just love creating. What would you describe your genre as? I can't even describe it as a genre because so much of my, my past, again, mm-hmm. has influenced um, the art. So I love Japanese anime. Mm-hmm. That really influences the music, even the, the type of sounds I use mm-hmm. um, to fill in the like, different mm-hmm. elements of the sound design. I, I will you know kind of source from sound effects in television shows like Japanese anime and video games and comic books and stuff like that. So um, I can't even say that I have a genre because then also my family's from the Caribbean, the, the island of Grenada. So it's all about that Afro beats kind of yeah. sound similar to Jamaica and like Trinidad. If you know about Carnival, there's music called soca and it's or, and reggae. And so it's really like mm-hmm. 
beat driven. And so that definitely, because I can't help but like what your parents, you know, force upon you as a child. And then also, again, I love the glitz and the glam of the 80s. So it's not really about the celebrity aspect, but more about the glitz and the glam of putting on a show. I like that aspect of the 80s that kind of harkens back to like the Moulin Rouge era, Mm. where it's just like, you know, like a real display of like, you know, this and that and, you know, the pomp and circumstance. So I put all that into the music. And then, Mm. of course, the subculture of the Vogue movement, which Mm. is, you know, really near and dear to um, the Afro-LGBT community. Mm. Um, I like putting that into my music as well, Mm. because there's... Like, for instance, in Pose, if you've watched that show... Right, love that show. You know that it's more than just dancing, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So and I like putting that into it. And I like the grittiness of it. So I, 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 I meld all those um, experiences, cultural phenomenons, and make sound mm-hmm. out of it. So I don't know how you can say that as a genre, because it right. isn't hip-hop. It's not just dance, but it's not, and it's not EDM exclusively mm. but I'm my one of my biggest influences of all time is Enya but it's clearly not new age you mentioned you have cultural influences through say like Japanese anime as well as influences to your past you know growing up in you know tropical islands and uh, afro beats would you say that these not only influence the music but also your style of performance dance costume all of those things of course so again going back to like the whole glitz and glam yeah. if you if you know anything about carnival mm-hmm. it's all about you know the outfits and how what we have is a thing called mass camps so that's like your your tro- your troop mm-hmm. each troop along the parade so to speak um, and it's about how you can out dressed and just really look wild and crazy and spun. So I try to do that, and as well as I also try to dress up like an evil, evil. Like for instance, my favorite anime of all time is Sailor Moon, <laughs> and you would think I'm gonna be on the, the Sailor Scout side, but yeah. I'm really on Queen Barrel's side, and she was their arch nemesis. <laughs> so I try to kind of like create like a masculine version of yeah. Queen Barrel, and um, you know, it's just fun stuff. I like mm-hmm. just keeping it fun and. Um, of course, that's going to definitely influence my my style, the style of my performance. Yeah. Um, lasers and lights mm-hmm. and, you know, um, just special pop moments. Mm-hmm. Growing up, would you say that your family or the culture around you was enabling in your family? Yes and no. So you can't help being a part of an overarching culture. Right. So no matter what, there's only a limit to... Um, how conservative you can be, right? Because again, you're still, it's like saying like, well, again, yeah, so uh, carnival is a part of the Caribbean lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So there's, even if you're the most ultra conservative, you're still gonna know how to like shake your body and move mm-hmm. your hips, right? But at the same time, my parents, especially my dad and his mm-hmm. side of the family, they're, they were, they're very conservative. Um, so yeah, they, I like I went to a prep school and I did all that kind of stuff. So my parents are, you know, not too keen on certain things and yeah. certain aspects of what I do, especially being from a, a Catholic nation mm-hmm. where I'm just talking about like, yay! I had a song once called um, 
she's not that kind of girl, but she can go down on you. And my dad was like, what? And then I was like, no, it's okay, because I'm not even talking about a girl, really. I'm talking yeah. about a man. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, they're just, now they, they know. I've always been outlandish and mm-hmm. wild. Mm-hmm. So at least I haven't been in jail. So I think that's what they're happy okay. about, you know? And I still got my A's in school. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's okay, if this is the worst I'm going to be, this is okay. You have an upcoming show on February 27th at mm-hmm. Bar Lubitsch. Tell me a bit about how you prepare for your performances. Well, okay, so how I prepare, I definitely have to go to dance rehearsals, even though every time I perform, all the dance choreography goes out the window because I just become so into my divaness emperor status that I forget everything I'm supposed to do. But I still give and I still connect in that sense. Because mm-hmm. again, to me, when you come to one of my shows, it's like you're going into theater and not really going to see a musician showcase. So I want um, fans to be entertained by a spectacle and what they're, what's going on. But at the same time, to prepare for that, you still need to have some sort of structure. But most importantly to me, the preparation really goes into the outfit. <laughs> I think how cool my outfit and how good I feel in it, that really helps the show. And if I know I want to have something like bespoke and outrageous and outlandish just for me, that's all I need. And then mm-hmm. everything else just falls into place. Got it. But again, I also, I don't, I don't know if I told you this before, but I'm also spiritual in the sense that I have like a, a new age spirituality fused mm-hmm. in with my Catholic background. So I like to pray and I like to like call upon the angels and the white light to really make sure that I'm going to have like a great experience no mm-hmm. matter what it is. Even if there are technical difficulties, even if there are bad things happening or the show goes kerplunk or something, I still know that it was meant to be and it's a part of a higher, like, good path. When was the last time you had a show that went kerplunk? To be honest, I don't want to put that out there, but I feel like there's always something Mm-hmm. Something goes that goes awry, wrong. Yeah. You know, always. For instance, I did Echo Park Horizon just this last August, so not mm-hmm. even a year ago. And I get there, and the person who's supposed to do sound, none of his equipment worked ah. at all. <laughs> then I think he was like on some stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had no clue how to really communicate to him. Yeah. And then he was just like really like overly obsessing about one minute aspect of like the soundboard and it wasn't even really important and then I was like this is more important and he just wasn't getting it and then he was like I gotta go and then he left and I was like oh my god but then it turned out to be a good thing that he left because my friend who happened to just be hanging out who's also in the music industry was like Mm -hmm. yeah I could do it I actually happen to have stuff and it went better and I think it was meant to be for him Mm -hmm. to do it instead oh nice so it's stuff like that yeah, you know, sort of on the fly. But I was so livid mm-hmm. when he was. I, I almost was like at the point of like tears. You know, like when you want to cry and you feel it well up inside you and you just hot inside. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt for like an hour mm-hmm. because he was just really pissing me off. Of course, I'm never gonna work with him again. But it's good that you know you get to learn these things. So yes, there's always something that happens. Yeah, and it's good to be able to uh, work through those things sort of on the fly not only builds character, I guess, but also allows other people the opportunity to step in and show you what they can do, like you mentioned with your friend. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I did, uh, that friend gained an additional level of respect for me Mm. that at times he he has lost in the past. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he's really true and dear now, so. No, that's fabulous. You are based in Los Angeles, correct? Correct, in the wonderful valley. I love (laughs) the San Fernando Valley. 
what portions of your music or your performance has been informed by the South Californian community? Well, it's so funny. That's a good question because I remember when I was doing my music back in my home city of, you know, the New York, New Jersey area. And, you know, at the time, if you weren't like a hardcore indie rocker, rock band, indie rock or hardcore rap, Mm-hmm. There was no platform for me for mm-hmm. you, so I couldn't grow in New York City in that mm-hmm. sense. And then coming out to Los Angeles, and then just seeing all different types of people, orientations, races, and cultures, when they take in music here, they're just really open mm-hmm. to taking it in. They're like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool." So LA, Southern California, has really helped me to be able to go on stage without feeling um, like an outsider mm-hmm. or like shameful for the type of art that I want to display. Because mm-hmm. I know out here people are receptive to whatever it is. Because mm-hmm. you never know what could be the next thing. And no matter, everyone's open. Mm-hmm. So I think the ability to have a, a, a platform is growth. Mm-hmm. And that's how it made me grow. Yeah. Whereas I couldn't get that anywhere else. So you mentioned confidence and confidence in your art and criticism of people. How long has it taken you to get confident with, you know, dressing up, bearing your soul every other night? Literally every time I do it, I, ha- I start from zero. Because you know why? You just, it's like you just have to keep jumping into the fray. Yeah. I did a showcase. It was, I was a part of a showcase once. Um, again, even though I just said what I said about, you know, L.A. being receptive. Right. Still, people go to a certain type of genre uh, showcase to see other people of like-minded uh, music. So I go, and I like to do like a reveal. I, I'm not usually lucky. Sometimes I'm not lucky to reveal the outfit and the mm-hmm. costume as I'm about to perform because it depends on the green room, if there's space, a backstage, blah, blah, blah. Like at Bar Lubitsch, I'm probably going to be out and about as Star Emperor mm-hmm. the whole night. But I usually like to just like surprise everyone. So everyone comes. So I'm at this um, showcase, and there's a couple people. One girl kind of sounds like um, like Colby Calais. Another guy sounds like um, just really indie rock, chill music. Everyone's super chill. <laughs> and then it's my turn. So while one band's performing, I'm changing backstage, and then I come out, and I'm wearing like this black cat suit with ombre purple gray wig <laughs> with a dark black crown <laughs> and a long dark silver uh, cobalt cape mm-hmm. and I step out and everyone's like what the <laughs> hell is going on right now what is this mm-hmm. then I come out and I'm like sit down 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 back to back popping it and it's high tempo upbeat and everybody is like oh my god and some so most of the people in the audience were like all these really straight dudes. <laughs> and you could tell, like, because I'm kind of shapely. I, unfortunately, I have curves. I have, I did the proportion check, and my proportions are the same as Marilyn Monroe, which is the <laughs> perfect proportions of your female, but I happen to have it. Sorry. So I'm in my little shapely outfit, and people are like, I can see these guys are like, they're like liking it, but they feel bad that they're liking it and they keep turning away. Then they're looking and then they can see like they're like kind of looking through like closed eyes because it's a good, it was, the performance was great. I'm not going to lie. I love the performance and the outfit was great, but it was kind of like uh, off-putting. And then all these little, and then there was a bunch of like really young artists. And one mm-hmm. of the girls was like barely 21 who performed. And so you could tell that my sexy body, so to speak, was a lot for her. And 
she just was like, oh my God, this is a lot. You could tell it was like a lot for her. Um, and I have since seen that artist many times after. And I was like, I'm so sorry for scaring you the other day. She's like, no, I loved it. I just never seen anything like that. She was in shock. So it's weird because, I mean, I know what's going to happen every time I do it. But it's like still like, okay, here we go again. I have to jump into the hi, this is me, and pretend like I'm not affected by the way they're affected. But, you know, yeah. as an artist, you, you just have to throw it all, throw it all out the window, mm-hmm. create your fourth wall, and do your thing. Right. But it's still very hard, because um, this was a different kind of setting, because it was in someone, like, producer's mansion house in the hill, so it was kind of like an intimate um, venue mm-hmm. for, like, certain select few. And so it was just really weird to see people kind of, like, around, like, you know, a giant living room space, and it's brightly lit. It's not a club. Mm-hmm. So you can really, really take in right. the emotion. So it's hard. It is hard. But, you know, that's, you know, it happens yeah. every time. Yeah. So how is it that you go about finding different opportunities to perform? Or do they find you? Are you part of a, do you have an agent? Or how does that work for you? You know, because of the aforementioned issue, meaning like, I'm not for everyone nor do I want to be like a whore that's like performing, performing just for the sake of performing, mm-hmm. hopefully getting signed or something like that. You know, that's mm-hmm. always goes through an artist's mind. Um, I, I, to be honest, I'm a little bit uh, an elitist when it comes to where I want to perform or mm-hmm. with whom, because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you go to venues, but you know, it's not a good venue, but it's sponsored through a good partnership or through right. a good night or promotional company, whatever. So that's when I say with whom I want to perform with. But I'm really elitist, so I it has to have a vibe. It has mm-hmm. to be cool. Um, it costs me a lot, even if it, if you, even if you come to my show and you see that it's like, yeah, this is two seconds, whatever. Because I think um, the average person takes for granted what really goes into mm-hmm. performances. So even though it looks like really quick to you, like for right. instance, you watch a Grammy, that's one performance that really costs them like about five hundred k just right. to do that one little thing, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine for me, and and I'm not backed by anyone. So it's a lot of money for me. Uh, I have to pay dancers' outfits, dancers' outfits, mm-hmm. DJs, or and slash or a band if I'm mm-hmm. doing a band like that. Um, rehearsal, mm-hmm. uh, rehearsal space, photographer, videographer, choreographer. You know, it does a lot for right. me. You know, it's not. It's easier, honestly. It's easier just to be in a band because everyone takes care of their own instrument mm-hmm. and they can all collectively pool for all the extraneous, right. you know, things. But when you're a solo artist who doesn't play an instrument, mm-hmm. um, it's, it, things get costly really quick. So I have to be really conservative about where I'm going to perform. And honestly, um, you know, I've been to a couple different symposiums with the people who run like really big nights and broke a lot of really big artists in the past. Like school night is very popular. Mm-hmm. And um, the lady who does the head booking, I think I want to say Sharon, she had a, a talk in conjunction with um, some other big dude out here. I forgot his name, but whatever. And in it, she was like, because someone asked a question, like, how often should we be performing? Um, how do we get your attention? Blah, 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 blah. And she's like, honestly, we don't like people who perform more than once every six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that, everyone was like staggered. And to me, that's how I like to do it. Because honestly, if you really want to have a show, a good showing, mm-hmm. and to pull all your resources to make that an event, you have to like give it time. Right. So I'm not really looking, looking, looking. How I find it is I have to vet the venues or the promotional company. I'm like, okay, that was some cool stuff. I want to be a part of it. I like the track record of the, what mm-hmm. the artists have done since then. I'll do that. Or 
this venue is really cool. It can really do well with this. I can do this here. I can put this there. I can do that. Mm -hmm. So that's how I do it. I don't really care to perform that often, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I just want to perform when I feel like it. Where does social media come into play? I know that this is a full-time job, you know, performing and costumes and rehearsing and bands and coordinating with the venues and everything. But on top of that, there's also like the promotional piece and getting the word out there. And that, of course, requires managing a social media presence and creating content for people who aren't in Los Angeles, but let's say in New York, who want to see more of you, but don't have the opportunity to really fly out. How do you uh, balance all of that? If that's a really tough balance, and that's a good question because, you know, that's almost like I need a full-time other Sean just right. to take care of that right. exclusively. Um, I, I've been okay with it. There are times when I get really... I, I've gotten like 12K mm -hmm. on one post mm -hmm. once. Mm -hmm. I don't know the magic to it. I've tried to decipher, or is it this time of the day? Is it because I'm from New York, so maybe I'm three hours behind, or I need to do, be three right. hours ahead, or I need to have a meeting in between... LA and New York time and then I'm my my dad spends half the time in the Middle East so I go there sometimes and so you build followings out there too mm -hmm. and I'm like okay what what is the best thing you know when to that's just to when to post then you have to have the content then now is your content appropriate because there are times when people don't even know that I sing because my mm -hmm. content's just pictures right. of me doing wild and crazy things but to me that makes sense as a star emperor but do they realize that it's all because of the music's and the at the basis right. of it. Um, it's just a lot, and it's just been difficult. And then I ran out of ideas, and then I like mm -hmm. I stopped promoting as much, and I went to like like once every other day. And then when you do that, I feel like Instagram starts like uh, taking retribution or punishment for you not posting as regularly. Yeah. Then your algorithm gets changed and messed up, and then now you're like not getting as much hits and then you have to rebuild it again and then they're like okay since you came back to us we'll let you be seen by more people now <laughs> and it's just it's too much of a game i'm kind of over it i like just ha that's something i like to ha just hire someone to just do um and just take care of right. I, and you know and come up with ideas because even the ideas of what to post gets on, on my nerves at this yeah. point on the subject of ideas what is your process for creating new ideas for performances or new song how do they come to you it depends. Sometimes, for instance, I have a song that's coming out called Witch Disco. Okay. I went in it with this uh, artist named Leader. He's a producer as well. And I just know I wanted to do something that highlighted my shamanistic aspects, mm -hmm. you know? And so I was like, ooh, I'm a witch. That's really sexually empowering to be a witch, mm -hmm. right? There's something sexy about it. And then I was like, I'm going to do a performance where I'm actually actively sending out healing light energy while I'm on stage. And then there was this thing called Evita. They've taken a hiatus, but they'll be back. But mm -hmm. I love, and that goes back to your other question, how do I find places where I want to perform? They did a Evita on Friday nights at Nightingale in mm -hmm. West Hollywood. Have you been? Uh, Nightingale in West Hollywood have not. No. Oh, my God. The venue inside, mm -hmm. it is so beautiful. I mean, it's pretty. There's lights everywhere. There's beautiful cocktails. There's beautiful people in, in present. And then Invita adds this whole layer of just like really cool. It's like when you fuse again the like Moulin Rouge with the LGBT Studio Fifty Four kind of vibe mm -hmm. and put it all into one. It's it's so fancy and fresh. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to be a part of that. And plus it was easy. Like every artist for the night just do, does one song. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, there's a lot of movement and stuff. So I like being able to like make miniature sets. Right. So one song, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do one song, really blow it out of the water, do it at Evita. It's a beautiful stage. And I'm like, I want to do it there. 
they're changing venues, so I don't know where it's going to be next, and I hope it's going to be just as beautiful. But um, that, that, all that influenced me creating the song Witch Disco uh, because I wanted it to be kind of like disco pop kind of edge with the whole aspect of the lighting and the sound, mm-hmm. and I saw that space. I made mm-hmm. a song just for that space. And that happens at times. And then sometimes I hear other songs, other beats, we'll just listen to beats, and I'm like, oh, this is the name of this song. This is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just out, and that's, so that's a backwards kind of way. Or I'm just like, do-do-do, humming, or I'm in the shower, and I'm like, oh, I, I'm just inspired into like a melody. And I make a melody, and then I take it to a producer, and then we create it, and I'm like, I hum it. And then, so I already had the melody this time. Then after it gets somewhat produced, I'm like, that's what this song's about. I don't know, the song titles and theme just come to me. Themes just come to me when I hear it. Mm. And then that's how it is. It's just, it's just many different ways. Or sometimes I'm just out, and I'm kind of very nosy. Mm. You get to see I'm very, very, very nosy. So I'll, let's say I'm at Starbucks, and then I hear two people arguing. And I'm like, oh, shit. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> oh, my God. What she just did? Ooh. And that's a song. Uh, you know, gotcha. <laughs> it's like, I'm a big eavesdropper. Gotcha. Um, so when we spoke over the phone initially mm. uh, uh, in preparation for this interview, you mentioned that uh, you, you identify as queer and are not exactly sure where on the spectrum you would lie in that sort of, is a good thing that you use to inform your music. Okay, so I get I, I get why we have to use these terms, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And I understand, like, technically, yes, that would be my art and me or whatever would mm-hmm. be queer. But when I was growing up, that word was so, it was a derogatory term. Right. So I tend to shy away from it, but now I guess it's been more embraced, so it's cool now. But I just think, especially being from another galaxy, it's like um, gay and straight is so binary. And I think binary mm-hmm. is the 20th century. We're in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Let's do something where... Like, you don't have... Because I feel like when you see something, someone or something is more gay or straight, now you're putting people into holes. Mm-hmm. And, like, for instance, if we want to get real, can we get real? Sure. Can, do I have to be PG-13? Uh, not, no. You okay, great. So, for instance, there are a lot of people out there. Like, I have a friend. He loves being a bottom. Mm-hmm. He's a hardcore bottom. He doesn't want to do anything else but be a bottom. But if you see him in everyday life, he's, he looks like he's a clean-cut, straight guy. He, there's no, like, the attitude. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, twang to the voice. He's very pop, proper. Um, he's um, in the marketing field, well-dressed, very proper, mm-hmm. but he's gay and he's a bottom. Mm-hmm. Period. He has a tough time finding love because everyone assumes, one, either he's straight mm-hmm. or, two, he's a top. And mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do any of that. Mm-hmm. And I think all that comes from the fact that people keep making this whole gay-straight notion right. and thinking they know what it means. Right. And when you do that, now you're placing these boxes to put people in. And so when they don't fit into these boxes, you're like, what do you do with them? Mm-hmm. But if we didn't have those boxes anyway, we wouldn't even be looking for these kind of things. Right. And I think it's more freeing and just more modern Mm -hmm. to not be looking to put someone in a box based on what, how they identify. Because, you know, gender, Mm -hmm. how you identify with your gender doesn't mean that that's going to be how you Mm -hmm. identify with your sexuality, right? Right. And so people are not getting that. Mm -hmm. And again, that's from the boxes, the duality that we're creating. 
And life is not either A or B, mm-hmm. you know? I should say life is not A or Z. We have B, C, D, E, la, 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 right. la. <laughs> I can't say the alphabet right unless I do the song. So <laughs> it's like, you know? So I don't like to do that for me either. I think, um, like, if you're hot, we can do it. This is why I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I've, to be honest, I've had female relationships, I, mm-hmm. girlfriends and stuff like that. I've never had a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So that can tell you something mm-hmm. right there. But, you know, come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Have we gotten down? Right. I don't know. You'll see. <laughs> On the subject of gender, you mentioned, you know, it's not A or Z. There's so many different things in between. Mm. And how oftentimes with these labels, we pigeonhole people into different roles. And those are, those are labels that you don't want associated with your music or anything of that nature. Would you say that's contributed to the diversity of thought that goes into how you create? Oh, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I, I love, I've always been that type you know, there's a, there's a, I, I, I'm scared to say the word I'm a bully, but bullying for me is just like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're joshing around with your friends and mm-hmm. you're like, dude, 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 I want to push yeah. your buttons just to bother you for the mm-hmm. day. And that's what I like to do with my music. Mm-hmm. I like to push buttons. I like to bother people. Mm-hmm. I think me as in my whole persona, whether I'm on stage with my crown or not, still likes to push buttons. That's just me as mm-hmm. Sean, period. Mm-hmm. I like to push buttons and push down, you know? So, yeah, that goes into it. Like, like you see, for instance, whenever I dress up as a star emperor, I usually have a wig on. Sometimes I do it without the wigs or whatever. But I usually have wigs on. And I get more attention from straight women mm-hmm. wearing my wigs. And, like, like, something will pop off later, mm-hmm. right? Dressed up like that. And it makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Right? But that's good because it's like it's making people start questioning just what sexuality in these times could be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's fun. Like I said, I was on stage. Um, well, I did a song that was a part of a, a porno <laughs> and it won an ABN. You know what the ABNs are? A- ABN? ABN. Adult ABN. Video ne- uh, Network Awards uh, or whatever. No, I'm not familiar with it. Oh, you're such a good boy. <laughs> no, I'm not familiar with these things. <laughs> well, the AVNs are a big deal. And they take place in Vegas every year. And it's like the Oscars mm. for the porn industry. Mm. So I sang a song that was a part of uh, uh, a parody of, a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say mm. stuff like that, but a parody of um, a popular Broadway show. Okay. Um, and it won an AVN for Best Soundtrack. And I sang one of the songs on the soundtrack. And so the guy who created the whole thing wasn't even in the porn industry. He, was, he is a comedian in New York City. And so um, he thought it would be funny to make a parody of this Broadway show mm-hmm. as a porno. And it became like a real thing. Mm-hmm. And it went on to be successful. So he's part of his comedy tour. Mm-hmm. When it came to L.A., um, I surprised the audience mm-hmm. by coming on stage and singing the song. Yeah. And I came out there, full start emperor out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Imagine like you're here just to see comedy and then all of a sudden this crazy man comes out right. and is singing <laughs> and the song's kind of like a ballad. So mm-hmm. I'm like, ah! and like all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And the audience is squirming. <laughs> they, not because it was bad, because it was just like too sexy right now and they yeah. didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> And so, again, I love, I, I took pleasure in that. And mm-hmm. I just did my thing and just dashed off the yeah. stage in full mm-hmm. regalness. 
I can definitely appreciate the ability for someone to leverage their platform or their art to poke people's buttons mm -hmm. and incite change or a sort of different way of thinking about anything. Definitely see that within you, the context of your art and definitely see that through this conversation. Those are really all the questions I had for you, but um, is there anything you would like to impart to the audience maybe before you return to your galaxy? Well, if you come to see me, you're just going to come to have fun. And yeah. that's what it, most everything that we just spoke about really goes back to the fact that I'm all about people having uninhibited fun. Mm -hmm. And that's what really my motto is. Like, you can do what you want. <laughs> and as long as you're having fun. And like, naturally, that's all my aura is about. Like, mm -hmm. everyone loves having fun with me. And mm -hmm. no matter what I do, that's like what I bring. Mm -hmm. And it's just a good time. And I think people are going to be... Um, relieved and excited at the fact that they're going out to see someone who isn't all into themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know that's hard to think when I just call myself an emperor, but when I go, I don't, like, if, my, if I'm not pitch perfect while I'm singing, I don't give a shit because it's not really about, for me, it's not about showcasing my collection of songs because I want to be made famous. For me, it's about giving you a show. Mm -hmm. I want you to feel like you went to theater. Mm -hmm. You know, you came... You paid, you got, and you're watching theater. The theater happens to be some crazy guy, you right. know, from another planet, blah, blah, blah. But at least you, ex you, you're coming to experience and you're mm -hmm. gonna have fun doing so, I think. Mm -hmm. It's very, um, not like it's a relief, but it's like a refreshing. Mm -hmm. It's refreshing to see that, oh, I'm being, they care to entertain me. And that, I know it sounds weird saying that because when you go out to music, you think um, that should be inherent, but it, mm -hmm. honestly, it's, it's not really about the audience most time when you go out to see a performer. It's mm -hmm. really about them making you see what they have. I'm the opposite. Thank you, Sean. I really appreciated having you here on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Don't forget to purchase tickets for Sean's upcoming performance at Bar Lubitsch in West Hollywood, California, again on February 27th, 2020. I'm looking forward to the show and looking forward to seeing you there. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know, submit a review, rate five stars, and let me know what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. More so, visit thegaypro.com for a ton more content.